So there we have it. Dublin are champions again. Mayo fall at the last hurdle. And so we bid adieu to what was one of the more strange GAA championships in recent memory. Hello and welcome to the GAA show. My name is Pierce Corkin. And joining me to give the final word for 2020 on the championship that was is Gaelic Live communist, highly respected coach, and very proud down man, Stevie Poacher. Welcome, Stevie. Thanks very much, Pierce. Absolute pleasure to be invited on. No problem, no problem. So, yeah, basically, last Saturday, Dublin went through the six in a row. Mayo followed the last hurdle again. Is it as cut and dry as Dublin are just that superior team, or did Mayo leave it behind them? Pierce, I've watched the game back now three times. Um, funny, this evening I was chatting to Colin Trainer. Colin, if you see him on Twitter there, he's a fantastic analysis. Uh, he, he breaks the games down into fantastic detail. And he came up with some fantastic statistics. Now, from the naked eye, watching the game on Saturday evening, I felt that Mayo just had absolutely dominated the first half and still went in two points down. And you're scratching your head thinking, how did that actually conceivably happen, you know? Uh, but when we look at the statistics, Pierce, in the first half, Mayo won 12 of their own kickouts, which is absolutely unheard of in statistical terms against Dublin because one of Dublin's greatest strengths is their press and their greatest strength is both sets of kickouts. You know, they tend to create scoring chances off their own and they tend to suffocate your possessions off off, off your own kickouts. So it's, your, you, you know, damn you do, damn you don't. But Mayo had 12 possessions from their own 12 kickouts, which, which Pierce is phenomenal statistic. But more interestingly, they turned Stephen Cluxon over five times out of 10. Which, which is a phenomenal, again, a phenomenal statistic when we're just looking at restarts. You know, when we look at the possession count as well in the first half, Pierce, Mayo had 25 possessions and Dublin had 20. You know, so this is this is a complete domination of Dublin, a complete domination, but yet they're two points down. And if we delve in a little bit deeper, and it's something that I would have spent a lot of time when I'm analysing games and things like that for my own teams, is when you look at... at I always tend to look, Pierce, at the source of the scores, where the scores came from. You know, so for example... A score might happen in the 13th minute, but was there something in the 11th minute or 30 seconds that contributed to that score and led to that score? And there was a couple of big plays. And for me, the biggest moment in the first half, Pierce, was after about 20 minutes, you know, after a mark, Mayo turned Dublin over and went 8-6 up. They won the next kickout and interestingly kicked the ball away. And that led to Conor Callaghan's goal, the second goal. And for me, that was a massive moment in the half, Pierce, for Mayo going 9-6 up to Dublin being 9-8 up, and Mayo just completely scratching their heads at that, at that stage, thinking, what have we done wrong? And they hadn't really done much wrong, you know? So when you actually analyse the game, Pearson, really break it down, you know, Mayo were completely dominant in the first half. There was a period in the second half, probably leading up to about the 57th minute, where people were giving Mayo Pierce a lot of criticism for not using the, the spur man as such. But I actually felt they did. I actually felt they did, because for that first 10 minutes, Pierce. At, at 44 minutes, in the 50th minute of the game, the game was level, the 50th minute. Now, to chase a game against Dublin in the second half is 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 unheard of, you know, for any team. And normally it, it tends to take a pattern. If Mayo probably had the skeletons from last year, or from, sorry, from 2018 of Dublin coming out in semi-final and blasting them away at the start of the second half. And, you know, that big quarter, is, as Dublin call it, the championship quarter, as it's known in Aussie rule terms. And Dublin really put a big emphasis on that. But because Dublin were a man down, they became a lot more cautious. And in that first four minutes of the second half, Dublin went back to Stephen Cluxon in possession three times, which was a very interesting play. It was a play that really sort of what you would call game management. But if you really hand it to Mayo Pierce for 15 minutes of the second half, they clawed themselves back at 14 all. 
you know, so you know they 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 had got from from twelve ten down at half time to fourteen all, and they were leading four two after fifteen minutes of the second half. But in the fifty seventh minute for me, Pierce, the game was lost. There was a great move from Mayo. It was fifteen fourteen. Great incisive pass inside on McLaughlin, who had side forward from left half back. A fantastic championship he had, and he dropped the ball, Pierce, probably just thinking what he was going to do next, and that would have put the game level at fifteen all in about the fifty eighth minute, and that would have been really really interesting going down the stretch. But in the next Two and a half minutes, Pierce. Dublin were eighteen fourteen up, and it was game over. And it's a very interesting one. And I think one of the biggest aspects of that of that spell as well was the influence of of Kieran Kilkenny. You know, in the first half, Paddy Dirk and marked him really tightly. And Stephen Cohen, who was operating as Mayo's sweeper in the first half, every time Mayo lost the ball or every time kicker went, Cohen would drop straight back into the D, and he protected that D. And you could see the awareness of him. He was literally looking left, looking right, scanning right, scanning behind him, scanning left. He performed that role fantastically well. He clogged up that D that Dublin liked to clear, and he did that role fantastically well. But all of a sudden, his role had changed in the second half to where he was having to mark Kieran Kilkenny. And it was Kilkenny's influence in that little four or five minute period for me, Pierce, that really won Dublin the game on, on Saturday evening. <clears throat> so you put it down to. Dublin's game management then, if, if, if I'm understanding you correctly then, in terms of those little moments, because I suppose from the naked eye, as you said, and when we're thinking about Dublin throughout the whole championship, in the second half, in particular moments, they did it against Calvin, where teams were going in at halftime and thinking, okay, you know what, we're a lot closer than maybe we thought we were going to be, maybe we have them on the rack, and then they came out in the second half and just blew them away. So is this, I suppose my question is, is this, on purpose, Dublin working towards that championship quarter, or is it the other team letting them get to that opportunity? Probably a mixture of both, Pierce. It's probably a mixture of both. But one of the things is it's it's the on-field leadership as well, Pierce. You know, knowing when to crank it up, knowing when to slow it down. And I think one of the greatest things that we can look at in the first half was Stephen Cluxon's influence in game management. And this is just one wee example, Pierce, right? He lost his first two kickouts long, okay? And in the third kickout, he went short and it led to a Dublin score. He lost the next two long kickouts long in the 22nd minute. And in the next kickout, it was short. Now, it was a hot ball, the short one, but it was just inside. It actually, I don't know if you remember, it actually just clipped inside the 21 and it was given a hot ball. He then lost the next long one in the 29th minute. And then he went short in the very next one and Dublin got a score. You know, so from every time Dublin were turned over, there was actually a stage then where there was a management click with Cluxton and he says, look, I'm stopping going long here. It's not working. So we're going to go short. And they got rewards from it. And I think, Pierce, it comes from experience. You know, I think it comes from a lot of experience. Like there's Dean Rock. Take Dean Rock, for example, Pierce. 30 years of age. 2012, he was dropped in the panel by Pat Gilroy. In 2013, he was recalled by Jim Gavin. In 2015, he was taken off at half time in the final. And from 2015, in the last five finals, Dean Rock has averaged three points from play in all five finals. Like that's that's a phenomenal statistic, Pierce. A phenomenal statistic, you know. And you can see the leadership. You can see the on-pitch leadership from a lot of them. You've seen on, on Saturday night at different stages of the second half when they were down to 14 men early. You could sense James McCarthy. You could see him pointing at the defender to say, go back one. Or you could sense somebody saying, right, let's inject the pace. They just need, they just nearly know when to inject and when to slow, you know. And, and I don't think it's an aspect of their player, Pierce, that gets a serious amount of credit. I think it deserves a phenomenal amount of credit. Now, the flip side of it as well is this big backroom team they have. So you're coming in at halftime and you're in the Dublin change rooms, okay? So I'm coming in at halftime in a club change rooms or even an inter-county change room and you're looking for the stats and you might be given five or six pieces of information, but their statistical analysis 
you know, I'm led to believe that they've got three or four laptops in play at matches. They've got access to a laptop on the sideline. I remember one game in particular a few years ago where Jim Gavin was watching the replay of an incident on a, on a laptop or an iPad rather than actually watch the game live. Like, that's that's unheard of. That's professional sports stuff, Pierce, you know, and there's no, there's very few inter-county teams that have access to that level of analysis. So when Dublin come in at half time, they're being told, correct me if I'm wrong here, and I may be wrong on this, but I'm nearly sure it was the top top three possessions were Killian O'Connor, uh, Ryan O'Donoghue, and uh, the young lad at fullback Mullins. Yeah. They were, they were the three Mayo players who were having the greatest influence in the game. So I was chatting to a friend of mine tonight and we're saying this, like when we go into a club game, for example, and we're playing Burn and take a Burn forward who's a down player, like say, for example, a, a Don Loher. So Don Loher scored five points from play and we're we're wondering, well, you know, what has our man done there? Is our man in trouble or, you know, right, okay, so Don Loher scored five points, so we need to get somebody off him and get somebody onto him. But where did the scores originate from? Maybe Kevin McKernan in that game had 15 possessions. You know, and that's what caused the scores. So they went in at halftime knowing that those three players had a huge influence in the, in the second or in the first half. I would love to have seen those players' possessions in the second half, Pierce. I would say they were considerably well down. Like Mullins won two kickouts in the first 15 minutes of the game or first 20 minutes of the game on Con O'Callaghan. The Con O'Callaghan outball as they developed this year. You know that Con O'Callaghan coming yeah. from deep. And yeah. had Sustan. But in the second half, Con won two of them, Pierce. You know what I mean? You know, so yeah. like they identify the problems, they identify the issues and they fix them and they've got the personnel to fix them as well. You know, Brian Hard coming in at half time, you could see the experience that he brought in. Like Brian Hard was one of Dublin's best players in the final last year against Kerry and all of a sudden he's not playing. You know, that's a phenomenal asset to come off the bench. Paul Mannion's coming in after Lee Keegan, who I think had done OK on John Small. Or sorry, Paddy Small, correct me. But yeah. Paddy Small is a really good championship, a really good championship. And Lee Keegan's done for, for tremendously well in him. But he's coming in with 20 minutes to go and Lee Keegan's starting to flag. And he's coming in to mark Paul Mannion. You know, so it's it's a, it's, it's, it's a phenomenal bench that they have as well, Pierce, which makes a massive difference. And for me, that makes the game management easier because game management, mistakes happen when you manage games when you're tired. Mistakes yeah. happen. They tend to really, really limit their mistakes. But I felt on Saturday night, Mayo in the first half had them spooked, they had them rattled. You know, there was those aspects of Dublin's play that, that you wouldn't have associated with them. You know, kicking a sideline ball straight to a Mayo player. James McCarthy kicked one across his own D straight to Aidan O'Shea. You know, there was little small things that I seen on Saturday evening, Pierce. And I think that was testament to, to how much Mayo had controlled the first half. But no, like not to be sound long-winded on your question, like it is a it is, it is a question, Pierce, of a mixture of both. It's yeah. It's the game opening up in front of them and knowing when to go for the jugular or it's when to slow it down and control the game and possession. And that comes from huge experience. But Pierce, beyond no illusions, it comes from phenomenal coaching. Phenomenal coaching. And they're the, the yeah. best coach team in the country. Best coach team I've ever seen. Ever seen. No, and, and looking, I suppose, we won't get into that debate around what, you know, the, the credit that they get because they are a massively fantastic side and they do, I feel anyway, get a huge amount of credit in a lot of ways. But it's very interesting what you're saying in terms of um, the possessions and how and, and how they use the stats because I so you, like you, I think you're dead right because even if you look at Mayo and the flip it on the head and, and what you're looking at Mayo and Mayo has Killian O'Connor who probably didn't have the greatest game he ever uh, he's ever had he still came away with nine points so if you were looking at that in a cold eye I suppose you know if it was if it was anybody else on the sideline going whoever's marking Killian we need to get somebody else on him. Whereas, it, like taking your point there, 
It's about looking at Conor Loftus. It's about looking at Stephen Cohen. It's about looking at Ryan O'Donoghue and saying, and targeting, they're getting that ball into Kinnear. So we need to stop that ball into him straight away. So on a kind of long-winded way of the question, do you think then in these environments, and and a lesson for Mayo, you know, the big question has always been their bench. And Dublin brought on the likes we talked with there, Brian Howard, Paul Mannion, and a few others. Do Mayo need to look at it and go, maybe if they get to a final next year, getting ahead of ourselves a little bit here, but maybe if they get to a final next year, should they be looking at, maybe we don't need to start Aidan O'Shea, maybe we don't need to start Killian O'Connor. And is that their fall, their downfall? Yeah, funny, I was just going to, I was. you took the words out of my mouth, but not those type of players, but I was thinking maybe like little Tommy Conroy there, who's a fantastic footballer. Uh, I believe they call him Tom, Tommy Gold, I think, down, down the country, yeah. but... Um, a brilliant footballer, but he had a quiet final. I thought he looked nervous, you know, which is understandable. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, you can't take anything away if he's a brilliant championship. But if you had maybe just thrown a curveball in, it's very difficult to do that, though, Pierce. But at the same time, maybe it's lessons learned for next year if they do get there. And I think they'll be they'll be there or thereabouts, depending on the structure and the format of the championship. They'll be there or thereabouts. But if you looked at maybe, say, for example, they started at Darren Cohen, for example. And he runs his his pan off for 50 minutes and stretches Dublin and you know and and pulls his marker everywhere and then all of a sudden Tommy Conroy's coming in fresh. Yeah. That sort of dynamic nature and someone who will get you that goal that you need late in the game because the chances of scoring a goal against Dublin are limited and slim as they are, but they probably do extend a little bit as the game wears on. You know, particularly when when teams start to get a little bit fatigued and maybe the the counter counter attack sort of tends to take on because Mayo did have chances. Like I'm going to say chances. There was opportunities for goals. Now, not clear cut, but there were half chances. Like even that yeah. moment I talked about the 57 minute from from Owen McLaughlin, he was through. But they're so good at doubling up. They're the best team in the country. I've seen Pierce at doubling up defending. And, you know, it was like the cornerback slows him down and all of a sudden McCarthy comes out of nowhere or John Small comes out of nowhere or, uh, you know, uh, Johnny Cooper comes out of nowhere. And all of a sudden it's a 2v1 situation and they're bogged down. But a couple of times Dublin isolated them or Mayo isolated them, particularly the incident I felt a big incident for me was was that two-minute period, uh, Pierce, in the 44th and 45th minute where Aidan O'Shea spun Johnny Cooper. And, and I think it was a blatant black card. I think it was a stonewall black card. I think it looked at more of a black card than the Brian, or sorry, than the uh, Robbie McDade one. And then you have in the 45th minute the square on chest, shoulder charge on uh, on Lee Keegan. Yeah. The winner as well. So there was small opportunities, Pierce, but they're so, so difficult to, to punch holes in. They really are because they're, they're just, they're so wonderfully organized defensively as well. They, they, they all know their role. And, and this is the thing, Pierce, that probably is worth mentioning. There's no egos. There's no egos, okay? So everyone does what they're asked to do. And, and I've had teams in the past that have done that for me who have done everything that they're asked to do, and you can see that they get results that warrant that. But then the consistency just starts to slide a little bit, and you see little things creeping in. A player who was doing what he was asked to do to the letter of the law, starting to drift away on his own and do his own thing and go away on his own tangent, and then all of a sudden results start to dip, and you can see that. Whereas Dublin don't have that. And I think part of the reason they don't have that, Pierce, is just the level of strength and depth that they have within their group. I think that that's the key thing. And, and that's what I think personally. Yeah. You talk about finance and money and playing in Crow Park. They're all advantages. Of course they are. But that drive among the group seems to be so, so, so competitive. It really does. Yeah. And look, that's, yeah, 
goes without saying there, the, the drive is, is phenomenal. And to, to achieve six in a row, no matter what's going on off the pitch, for an awful lot of them fellas to keep coming back, to come back every year, it's quite phenomenal. But I suppose, and it's interesting you mentioned that the defensive aspect and how strong they are defensively because every time this year, and look, you know, for example, if myself and yourself were over a county team, we we're going to play Dublin next year and we go, right, how are we going to try punch holes in there? The first thing people would tell us would be the full back line. That's how you target them. That was how people thought Calvin would punch a hole in them. That's how Mead and Mayo. That's why you put in Killian O'Connor, and I had this conversation with Father earlier on, and he said the biggest thing that they should have done would have been put Aidan O'Shea and Killian Connor right in on top of Stephen Cruxton. But yet, as you mentioned there, the organisation around that D is what's made them so formidable. So within that, do you think, from your experiences of working in a high-performance environment, within that, is that coming down to pure drive or is there a statistical anomaly that they're utilizing by saying when the ball comes in own merchant gets around davy Byrne or whatever else trying to kind of cut it off at source in a way well if you looked at take for example their goal uh, pierce okay take james yeah. mccarthy break through the middle how often does that happen dublin never because they, they've realized i think a lot of their their football, and I listen to Jurgen Klopp talk about how football is now based around science. I think a lot of Dublin's football is based around science, Pierce. Yeah. I think, I, I think, for example, let's look, for example, at the D, right? The D, I always say to young lads in school, the D represents danger. So the high percentage of scores come from the D. And if you concede soft and cheap scores in there, you're disappointed. You want to try and force the opposition to shoot from outside that scoring zone. And Dublin have realised that. So what they're very good at, Pierce is they're very good at creating a plus one. Now, they don't necessarily, they don't necessarily, Pierce, start with a plus one and bring a man back or bring a sweeper back. They don't do that. They have two industrious type players at wing forward in Niall Scully and Bulger, who in, interestingly both scored from play on Saturday night, which which is very interesting because they normally spend a lot of their time defensively tracking and, and, and covering spaces. But they have two midfielders who are absolute phenomenal athletes and it's actually Danielson Ledger from Carlo actually texted me on Saturday night and he says like you know what the laugh is like he says freakishly if those two lads weren't inter-county footballers they'd probably be running for Ireland in the Olympics and he, and, and I know what he's saying like they're, yeah. they're, 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 the, they're the shape of like an 800 meter runner Pierce you know that sort of physique they're not really really uh what you would call bulky and muscly. They're just so long and lean and, and, you know, athletic. Probably athletic is the best way to describe them. And both of them can cover ground seriously quick. And McCarthy's so good at getting back in there. But because most teams probably draw a man out against Dublin Pierce, it leaves Dublin with a plus one. And this year, you found the likes of Johnny Cooper. It used to be Keane O'Sullivan when he was on the scene. He used to be the man, the go-to man that they like to, to make as the sweeper. But Johnny Cooper sense, tends to do an awful lot of it. But as you say... They read situations so well, Pierce, and there's a net, there's an absolute hunger and desire to keep clean sheets. And I would say that there's one man driving that. There is one man driving that, and you can bet your bottom dollar Stephen Cluxon's driving that. You can bet your bottom dollar that he yeah. is pride. He is making that team pride themselves on clean sheets. Look at the way. Even there's a small wee clip, and if you watch it, how quick he comes off his line. And we were doing something with the young lads there a couple of weeks ago and we we're doing this like sort of two V one exercise and you're trying to create goals and you're looking at the young goalkeeper pinned to his lane 
and you're asking him to come out and make himself nearly the next defender. Cluxon comes off his line so quick. He smells danger. Just shuts the space down nearly like an alley defender. You know, they're, they're so good at just clogging that space, Pierce, in and around that danger zone. And they just they just deny you those goal-scoring opportunities. And listen to me. Fawnlaw was watching the game on Saturday night. They're no angels either. They're no angels either. And you have to you have to hand it to them. They've got the little cynical touches off to an edge. The wee cynical fouls with the hands up. Oh, sorry, I didn't do anything there. What, what was that? What was that, David? Sorry, apologies. You know, and the hands are up. The innocent. Like Michael yeah. Fitzsimmons. Michael Fitzsimmons seems a lovely guy. He seems a lovely guy. But the ruthless streak in him to make that contact with Lee Keegan and absolutely bury him and then stand over him and rub his head and say, look, I'm, I'm really sorry, you know, and you, yeah. you've, you've got that. And listen, that's a sign of great champ. Like, all good champions, Pierce, have that ruthless edge and that ruthless streak about him, you know, and for a number of years there, people were complaining about Pep Guardiola, about the tactical fouling that Man City were doing when they were winning titles and things like that, you know, and all top teams have that wee, what you would call, edge to their game. And I think, and I was chatting to, to, to someone on Sunday after our own game, and I said to them, like, they have nearly mastered Pierce what you would call that sort of three-quarter foul. You know, that it's nearly a foul, but the hands come out. So, and it's just like, you have to hand it to them, you know, because, the, again, they're supremely well coached in the tackle as well. And, and they're a fantastic team, you know, when it comes to tackling. I'm not taking anything away from their game in that respect, but they do have that little edge about them, Pierce. It's it's nearly what you would call, and it's in simplistic terms, Pierce, when it all costs. That's it. I know what you're saying, yeah. And, like, it's almost... There's an art to it, but there's a dark art to it as well, and I think that's they have that off to a tee as well, yeah. And, but and I think all great teams, in no matter what sport, has that little bit of an edge to it. Yeah. To take kind of step back from the game uh, uh, as a whole for the moment and looking at the 2020 championship, as someone like yourself who has that tactical eye on the games, a tactical insight, and from working with different teams, what was it? What was it? about that game or maybe it was previous games or what's caught your eye tactically that you think is going to be the next evolution to uh, to to come into the game next year so you're sitting down looking at you looking to build a team from what's uh, looking to build uh, tactics around your team from what happened last year what do you think is there that can go well i think there might be a something to work on there well before this season the dubs probably paid not much attention to the mark and it's something that I've noticed them using very well, Pierce, to their advantage. The biggest thing they have inside as well, they've got, you know, Paddy Small, Dean Rock, Con O'Callaghan, Kieran Kilkenny, who can all win ball up around their chest. You know, that's what you probably call 40-60 ball. They can all win that. And also as well, they can take their score on top of that, Pierce, you know. So yeah. that's that's an aspect that I've, that I've noticed the top teams, you know, using very well. Cavan used it well. Uh, Mayo used it well Dublin are using it well and it's trying to create that space you know inside and you know obviously keeping your keeping your two inside men very deep and obviously getting your head up and looking forward in around the 45 for that little dinked past 25-30 metres Pierce because even though a team sets up defensively you still will find those holes you still will find those gaps you know it's not a rule that I'm too keen on Pierce uh, I think it takes the natural flow out of our game. Uh, I think it, it creates a little bit of a hybrid version of the game, but it is a rule that is here to stay, and and that's that's unfortunate, you know. So, uh, but that's something, Pierce, that I think teams will work on, uh, monopolising the mark. And uh, <laughs> excuse me, probably another aspect is the kickouts, both sets of restarts. So, with the new rule about 
going back to the goalkeeper, Pierce, I think teams now will set traps. I think teams will give the cornerback the ball and try and press him and press him high. And Mayo did that very well in the first half. They actually, what they did, I felt a few times, Pierce, was they nearly offered the kick out to the to Dublin's right hand side and then put their press on. And that allowed them then to organise themselves defensively behind as well because you're taking away a huge aspect of their game. Rory Began, Cavan tried to do the same to Rory Began early in the championship, where one of Began's greatest strengths over the top, Pierce. But Cavan dropped off to the 45 and, and let him go short. They tried to do the same to Sean Patton as well. So teams might try and drop off and give the cornerback the ball, Pierce, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then get the press on because I've noticed a few teams try it and do it, you know, and the really good teams, Pierce, can get out of trouble because their cornerbacks are equally as good in the ball as their corner forwards. But there'll be other teams that won't get away with it. So it's about picking and choosing your moments, you know. But I think one of the standout things, Pierce, has probably been that the way the game has evolved both offensively as well, what you find now is that teams are starting to play probably more bodies forward. They're starting to use the kick pass a bit more. Uh, you know, I, I personally didn't feel there was an awful lot wrong with the game anyway. We had a lot of hysteria over the last few years. And for me, Pierce, it makes sense that if you're coming into the game as a huge underdog, what do you do? You do what Tipperary done. You know, you have a good zonally well-organized defensive system that they did against Cork. You stay in the game. You maximize your scoring chances, you know, and you and you take the you take the favorites down the stretch. And you know, I don't know why there's such a mass outbreak of euphoria and 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 you know panic and criticism when a team sets up in a certain way to to try and nullify the opposition or to try and you know make it competitive and make a game of it. It happens in every sport in the world, and we're probably the only sport, Pierce, that 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 we're afraid to bow to the narrative of oh Jesus, they're defensive, you know. Yeah. What difference? What difference does it make? Like, what way you set your team up? You know, if we all set it up in the same way, it would be pretty boring spectacle, you know. So it's nice to see different styles. It's nice to see different systems, different innovations. It's nice to see coaches try different things. You know, Kavanaugh yeah. tried a tactic against Dublin of launching long direct ball in on top of Cluxton, as you talked about. And Cluxton was well fit and well e- easy to deal with it. And they obviously had worked on it and training and things like that. But take Jim McGuinness, for example, Pierce, you know. Uh, 2012 All-Ireland Final against Mayo. Donegal played a very strong running game the whole way through that year. Very strong possession-based running game. Slow the game down. Take the sting out of the game. Breaking channels of five. You know, always have five. Always have a runner in channel one, two, three, four, and five. You know, very systematic. It was very scientific. And, you know, you have to hand it to them. They were well-conditioned and well-oiled. But in the lead-up that All-Ireland Final, he noticed there was a weakness in the Mayo full back lane. And he noticed there was an imbalance. So what he decided to do was he decided to run a play 90 times in the lead up to the All-Ireland Final. 90 times that week in training. Ball out to Lacey. Long diagonal ball to Murphy. And look for an early goal. It was 2-1 to not 2 after 10 minutes. And that was game over, Pierce. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. like, that's just one small example of coaching. You know, coaching creates, coaching gives you different challenges. It, it, it creates different sort of uh, situations for you to try and uh, pose to the players and work out. And you want to try and put your players in as many thinking situations as you possibly can. And for me, you know, it's it's about looking at the opposition, seeing what they have, seeing what you have, you know, and seeing what the best way forward is for you to play, you know. And listen, we we, we were beaten yesterday in in the county minors. It was so disappointing because, you know, we, we had a team with a lot of talent this year, but we came up against a Fermanagh team, Pierce, who were, Coached by Mark McHugh from Donegal, they were tremendously well organised. 
they had 15 men behind the ball on every single play. As soon as they lost the ball, they filtered back. I'm not criticising them. I'm taking my hat off to them and I'm saying they didn't have the forwards to outscore us because we like to play football. We like to get the ball forward quick. We like to use the foot pass. You know, we, we played Meath in a challenge game a lot of weeks before lockdown, who are, who are one of the favourites to win the All-Ireland. We drew in a high-scoring encounter with them and we went into the game with a lot of confidence. But for Manor with the underdogs, massive underdogs, they stayed in the game. You know, they, they chipped away at the scoreboard in the first half due to our mistakes. We fed them energy. We go in at halftime, four or five points down, chasing the game. Second half becomes panic stations. You know, young lads aren't like senior players. They panic a lot more, you know. Yeah. For Manor stayed in the game. And in the second water break, it was 10-7. And we were still in the game, despite being down to 14 men after 20 minutes. But we were still in the game. But for 10 minutes, Fermanagh killed the game. They killed the game. And, like... I, I, I didn't come away from that game going like for Matt, I were a disgrace. That was disgraceful the way you set that team up. That was the only way they were going to beat us. You know, like if they went out man to man and played us man to man, we would have outscored them because we're better forwards. But they played to a system. Their halfbacks caused us serious problems coming from deep. Their runners caused problems. And that's life. You live and learn from it, you know, and, and you know, to, to beat that type of system, what you sometimes have to do is mirror image it and be patient. And it's not nice for the supporters. It's not a nice spectacle. But I just think it makes for a more interesting sport whenever you've got different styles, different challenges, different teams, peers that decide to play a different way, you know. And, and that's something that I've enjoyed this championship. Nobody has played the exact same way. You know, Calvin went with a sort of a middle third intensity against Donegal. You know, Tyrone liked to play a deep line, def- a counter-attacking system. Tipperary had more of a zonal block, you know. Uh, Cork went with a really, you know, strategic, cynical middle third against Kerry. You know, Kerry liked to play a certain way and went away from it, you know, and they tried to play a sort of a more attritional type of play, which didn't suit them. You know, Dublin or Dublin, they play the way they want to play, you know, with a lot of basketball type movement. And I suppose the biggest, probably for me, the most standout thing at the end of this year is the appointment of Kieran Donaghy and Armagh. Because I think what Kieran McGinney realises now is that, you know, McGinney's ambitious. He's very ambitious and he's uh, he has high expectations of Armagh. And he will look at Armagh not playing Cavan or Fermanagh. He'll be looking at Armagh, how can I catch Dublin? Now, I know that might sound delusional, but he's not thinking he's going to catch Dublin, but he's thinking that's the level we're striving to get to, Pierce. You know, that's, that's where everybody wants to strive to get there. So, and one of the key aspects of their play is this basketball type coaching. You know, Robbie McDade was sent off for a screening move. Now, that screening move happens 10 times in a game, but you probably wouldn't even notice it. You know, Dublin are just coming out on the loop, and the yeah. player who's had the ball to the forward just does that little discreet screening movement, which just puts the defender a yard at the outside, and it gives the score or the shooter that half a yard, and that's all they need. You know, and that's that's testament to their coaching pairs. It's, it's fantastic coaching. They use basketball quite a bit offensively to clear the D and you know and, and to, to create driving lanes you know so there's so much the game has evolved so much and I, I really enjoy it I, I enjoy coaching it Pierce I enjoy looking at the game I sat today and, and watched the All-Ireland final back and took a couple of pages of notes here for us tonight you know and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. it's good to look back at it and look at, from an analytical point of view I enjoy analysing the games my view is only my view you yeah. know your view will be different Tommaso Shea's view will be different Oshie McConnell's will be different you know, but and I and I respect any views. I respect the views. I respect the most are those people who who do coach the game and, and understand the game. You know, and and those those are the people who you know you really want to listen to. With that in mind, then, and with the analysis that you've done from the game today, what advice do you think 
one could be able to give James Horan then looking into next year because James Horan probably Mayo team is probably in the same boat as uh, Kerry, possibly Donegal, Tyrone, maybe Galway as well. In that they're looking at, as you said, they're not looking at the teams around them. They're looking at how can I catch Dublin. So what is it that they Mayo, for example, can do to make that step? I don't think they're that far away, Pearson. Look, who am I to be given any advice out? But, you know, looking in from the naked eye, you know, from from watching them in the first half, just maximising their scoring chances. It was something, Pierce, I spoke about last week in the Guinness Life. I talked about, you know, if Mayo were, gonna, if Mayo were going to beat Dublin, it was a sort of a six-point plan, you know, matching their intensity, breaking even and restarts. And they did a lot of that, you know. They did a lot of that. But one of the things I looked at was maximising their scoring chances, Pierce. And in the first half, I've got them here. Big Matty Ruan, who had a horse of a game, kicked the score from inside the D into Cluxon's hands. Ryan O'Donoghue, who had a brilliant first half as well, you know, took a little snapshot from 21 yards you know, and, and dropped it short. Killian O'Connor put a free wide from the edge of the D. You know, Tommy Conroy had a couple of snapped efforts. Aidan O'Shea bundled the ball out of his hands in front of goals. Oh, McLaughlin got blocked in the first half. I think Mayo left this game behind them in the first half, Pierce. That's the truth. I think they left it behind them because their domination in the first half, that was a four, five, six-point domination, Pierce. And if you take out the two silly goals that they conceded, you know, the one direct from the throw-in and the one that I talked about before Aidan O'Shea, at half-time, Pierce, the score is Mayo not 10, Dublin not 6. You know, and that's the half-time score. And all of a sudden... It's a different type of game management. Dublin have to chase the game, which they've never had to do. Never had to do. And that's the biggest thing for me is you need to get in front of them. Tyrone got the absolute, what you would probably call, dream scenario in 2018 when they went 5-1 up. And I couldn't believe what was unfolding in front of my eyes. Mark Bradley was running Kane O'Sullivan right. Kane O'Sullivan limped off for a hamstring injury after 18 minutes. And the game swung on Tyrone attacking. And what I would have done at that stage with Tyrone is you're 5-1 up halfway through the first half and maybe the water break, maybe the water break now would have been like perfect for Tyrone back then because the water break would have been blown. You would have been 5-1 up. Hart would have just settled them down and said, look, let's retain possession. Let's manage now for 10 minutes and just kick, take the sting. But Tyrone was probably going so well, Pierce, they just decided to keep going. And from one, from one Niall Morgan misplaced a kick out and he, he was on doing a Zoom for me over lockdown with the, with the club lads. He was brilliant. He was very honest, actually. And he said from one, he says, when you look up and see that blue wave, that blue press, it's very intimidating as a keeper, he said, you know. And he missed one misplaced kick out led to a penalty. And from that penalty, Dublin scored something like 2-3, 2-4 without replay, Pierce. That's yeah. obviously at Crow Park and the momentum. Once their supporters get behind them as well, Jesus, you know. It's it's nearly like a second beast for them, you know, and and I suppose you know you're looking in from the outside at Mayo and you're thinking you just have to be leading at half time. You just have to try and be leading at half time and 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 then stamp your authority because see the first fifteen minutes of second half, Pierce, I thought it was class for Mayo. I thought it was class. I thought they managed it very well. I thought they kept possession. They were real patient. Yes, they give choked up a bit of ball and they give a bit of all away, but they were much more patient than they've been in previous years, Pierce, and they've learned so many lessons. But they're the one team in the country who I really admire from an offensively defensive point of view, if that makes sense. You know, the defensive yeah. aspect of forward play. Their defensive aspect of their forward play is something that is extremely hard to coach. To ingrain that level of intensity and work rate into a block of six forwards, 
Pierce, that's tough. That's tough. I can tell you now. I have not seen a team that can do that. You know, and I remember years ago at a coaching day that I ran in Kilkeel at the time. James McCartan, uh, former down senior manager, talking to the to the to the the people that were at the coaching day, the coaches, and he said, "Give me six forwards. This has gone back now, maybe seven or eight years. Give me six forwards who will tackle like hell." He says, "And I'll not be too far away from winning All Ireland." And that's very interesting. It's yeah. very interesting because Mayo have that level of intensity. They have those forwards that will, they'll just work so hard, so so hard. Pierce, that goes back you know? to, I think, um, like I'm a big believer in the whole in the, in the saying attitude reflects leadership. And in that forward line, you'd have the leadership of somebody like Killian O'Connor, uh, Aidan O'Shea, and before them the likes of Alan Dillon, uh, like, like even Kieran McDonald on the sideline, and people like that who ingrained that attitude into them and. Like, is that how much of an impact do you think that has on the team overall when when you're trying to coach that and that having a fella who go who when you come into the side and you don't make that run but you look up and you see Killian O'Connor running back or likewise on the flip side you see Paul Mannion or Dean Rock or someone like that running back you go well if they're doing it I got to do it. Mickey Hart wrote a book in 2003, I think, Pierce. Uh, called Kicking Down Heaven's Door, I think it was. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was something along those lines. And I remember reading it at the time. It was when they won their breakthrough All-Ireland, you know? Yeah. And he talked about how 13, 14, and 15 dictated the tempo of the press. You know, they dictated the intensity. You know, the, the, they're the first line of defence when you lose the ball. And people talked about Hart being like, you know, that Tyrone team of 03 being defensive. They weren't defensive. It just brought a different level of intensity than everybody else had brought. And if you go back to the semi-final they played in 03, Pierce against Kerry, I don't know if you remember the incident under the Hogan stand where you had that iconic image, yeah. seven or eight of them, hunting in packs you know, against Kerry and turn Kerry over. And that's where, the, that's where it starts. It starts with 13, 14 and 15. And I keep telling lads at the club and the likes of that, you know, you're trying to ingrain this. You set the tone, boys. You know, as soon as we lose that ball, look at Liverpool. Firmino, Salah, you know, all these boys, Mane, they all press. The press starts from the top, you know, and that's the key. If Killian O'Connor and Aidan O'Shea are playing up front and Mayo lose the ball and they're putting a half-arse challenge in, so it just seeps through the whole team, you know. But the intent those lads are tackling with is, is a joy to behold, Pierce, you know, and you can even see after free kicks and scores them pointing and putting people into position and pressing up and you just they're just so they're, they're just so active and as you say you know leaders lead you know leaders lead and it's okay being a leader pierce and talking the talk but you have to walk the walk and that's the thing them boys lead by example and it's it's fantastic to see it really is and it's it's maybe you're talking about tactical innovations it's maybe something that teams will look at now is that maybe they might decide that yes if you've got two or three marquee forwards great but can you maybe transform two or three others in your squad into real aggressive, hard-working forwards like a Scully and a Bulger, you know, because that's what it takes. That's what it takes, you know. And, and like, McLaughlin was playing at centre-half back early in the National League, and I couldn't understand it. I couldn't understand it. No, when he came back after lockdown, I think it was. Yeah. Centre-half back. I think he could have played against Toronto at six. I'm not too sure. But, like, for me, McLaughlin, Kevin McLaughlin's been one of the best wing-half forwards in the game over the last number of years, you know, and it was good to see him back at wing-forward. Damon O'Connor... That lad dies with his boots on, Pierce. Yeah. Dies with his boots on. You know, Ryan O'Donoghue works like a Trojan, like a young lad with no fear. Will tackle all night long, you know. And then you've got Tommy Conroy and, and uh, 
Aidan O'Shea and, and Killian O'Connor setting the tone up front as well, you know. So, listen, there's no question about it, Pierce. They're leading from the front and see to have that. And I think Horn is very lucky that he's got he's got what I would call a mini management team within the playing squad. And Dublin are the same, you know, the leaders, McCarthy, the Fentons, although Fenton's you think Fenton's about thirty five, Fenton's probably only twenty six, is he, or something like that. He just seems to not far off that anyway, yeah. <laughs> He just seems to be around forever, but he, he doesn't, and he's never lost a game, my God. But uh, but you've Cluxton there as well. Like Cluxton's a mini manager in the playing squad, you know. And yeah. when you've got that mini management team, as I would call it, within the playing squad, that's so important, Pierce, because every county needs it. Like I, I listened to Connor Sweeney, Connor Sweeney's speech for Tipperary. I don't know if you heard it the day yeah. that they played Mark. Such maturity, such a such a leader, you know, great speaker. But he just doesn't speak. He was leading on the field as well, you know, and that's the key Absolutely. thing. And that's that's where the respect comes from, you know, and, and that's obviously then sets the tone and it seeps through the team then, Pierce, you know. And that's like, that's one thing, I suppose, that I've noticed throughout the year when you look at leaders and you look at how that transform a team. Sure, like, like as you mentioned, Connor Sweeney with Tipperary, but the other kind of iconic leadership view of things, if, you want, if that's the way to put it, is someone like um, Raymond Galligan speaking after the Ulster final. And it's that, I think the game has kind of been, we're, 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 I think we're starting to see a bit of a throwback to wearing your heart on a sleeve, on your sleeve, but almost in a bit of a controlled way, that controlled chaos. Yeah, there's no question about it. And there's no team that brings the controlled chaos better than Mayo, as, I suppose, over the last number of years, you know, they've been brilliant at it. But I, I think one of the things, Pierce, you talked about there was, was a throwback to the old days. I don't think it's any coincidence that we've seen emotion like we've seen this year and it was a knockout championship. I think that that had an awful lot to do with it. And we can talk about, you know, uh, we can talk about Bloody Sunday all we want. Like at the end of the day, whether Bloody Sunday was this year or next year, Pierce, if that same situation was to happen last year or next year, you would still have the same emotion. You would still have the same emotion without Bloody Sunday. You know, it just happened to be freakish that, a hundred years ago, the exact same four teams were in the All Ireland semi final. Like it's 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 nearly it's nearly eerie, like you know. But yeah, um, yeah. but the fact that you've seen things like Monaghan losing to Cavan and Clonus, the emotion, Remy Galligan kicking a score with the last kick of extra time, you know, you've seen uh, Tyrone losing in Bally Buffet, you know, knowing that it's over for them for the year. Whereas in previous years, they know well, they'll get a couple of runs, they'll get a Louth or a Carlo in the back door and they'll be back in the road and, you know, they'll get the show on the road and knowing that that was it over, you know, looking at Kerry losing to Cork, phenomenal scenes, you know, Mayo beating Galway to win their first Connacht title in five years, you know, great scenes again and obviously Tipperary were probably the, the standout moment of 2020 in, in, in Cork that day, you know, when they beat Cork and I think it was just the, the symbolic nature of Tip and a hundred years and Bloody Sunday and the whole emotion around it, you know. And I, t- I, I actually felt it would have went against Tip in a way, Pierce, because I felt that the emotion of the occasion and wearing a new jersey, I thought they were all distractions. But go back to leadership again. Connor Sweeney's speech at the end where he said, "We had to park that," and I told the players two weeks ago, "Park that till after the game," you know. And I, and I thought that was class. I thought that was class, you know. But we've seen all that emotion. And listen, I, I don't. I have my own views about the Dublin situation at the minute, right? About finance and population and, and Crow Park. But I don't want them to split. I don't want to split Dublin. I, I don't want to split them, right? I think it's a nonsense idea, right? And for some of the players in Leinster to even come out and speak about it is embarrassing, in my opinion, right? Because at the end of the day, yes, there's things that we can control. 
take them out of Crow Park. That's the very first thing. And that's easy. That can, that can be controlled very easily. OK. And have the All-Ireland final or the Leinster final at Crow Park, whatever it happens to be, or the All-Ireland semi-final, whatever. OK. Keep that tradition. But take them out of there till up until that, because there's no need for them to be there. Right. Play National League games at Parnell Park or whatever. Do that. That's something that can be fixed. Right. But take nothing away from them, Pierce. You've seen the emotion. You've seen what it meant to James McCarthy, what it means to Dean Rock. Like, these are good lads. And like Rock and, and Kilkenny came down to, to the Savile Club here last year, I think it was. Started last year. I don't know. We sort of talked night with them and Mark Poland and Danny Hughes at the time. And it was a bit of crack. And like I don't really know them at all. I don't know any of them, to be honest. You hear stories about them and stuff. Two of the humblest lads you could ever meet. You know, really good lads, a bit of crack. There was a bit of banter with them. There was a few stories. There was a, a bit of carry on. And you know from from speaking, when you hear Jack McCaffrey speaking to Bernard Brogan a few weeks ago, and he talks about, they always reference the group, you know, and you listen to them in their interviews, talking about the group and how tight the group is. And, and the reason it's tight, Pierce, is there's nothing gets out of the group. You know, there's no bullshit stories. There's no there's no leaks from the camp. There's no, did you hear the crack? McCaffrey didn't show up the train on Thursday night. He, he was at the doctor's or he was at an appointment or whatever, and he didn't show up. Like, Jack McCaffrey openly admitted in the, in the lead up the all and finally didn't train. Like ninety percent of the counties in Ireland, Pierce, that would be all over the paper the next day. Do you know what yeah, I mean? You know, yeah. nothing, nothing gets out of their camp, and I think they've got a huge level of respect for each other. I think, it, I think, one of the things that Jim Gavin didn't get credit for was keeping the lid in the whole show because that that Dublin team are, are celebrity status, like you know, they're, they're celebrity status, they're they're Premiership stars, in my opinion, Pierce. You know, that's yeah. that's the level fights are at. You know, and to keep a lid on all that and to keep the humility. And and like you get these bullshit throwaway comments from from pundits and oh and, you know they're a wonderful human being and all this crap but like they're not giving the media any sound bites you know they're happy to to come in they're happy to be under the radar they're happy to keep everything so tight and so close knit and they're probably social and media trained you know as individuals as well you know because they never give anything to the media they never give any motivation to the opposition not that opposition like if you need motivation off someone's Facebook or Twitter or, or Instagram, if you need to motivate yourself from that, then you shouldn't be playing football. But, you know, they never give anybody any motivation, you know, and that's that's something that you have to admire from them as well, Pierce. And listen, beyond no illusions, they have lads are on the jolly the night. They're on the gargle, as they call it in Dublin, you know, and I'm sure they're having a few pints. They'll be in somebody's house or they'll be in some some uh, lock-in in some bar somewhere in Dublin. And listen, good luck to them and let them enjoy it. Because, look, hey, life's too bloody short. You need to enjoy your football. You need to enjoy these moments and enjoy the victories. And listen, defeats are hard to take. I'm hurting today, of course. Like, But, you know, there's another game coming soon. And there'll be a club game or there'll be a county game or there'll be something. And you'll have a better day. You know, but that's, that's football. That's life. You deal with it, you know. I think, considering the year we've had, that's a very, very good point to leave it, uh, Stevie. That's a very, very good sentiment to leave it. And it's been really, really enjoyable talking to you. And I think we, we could have sat here for another three hours talking football. But Absolutely. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get you on in the new year again. We'll have a, a good uh, chat about the, the Football Fair 2021. Because, as you said, I think after speaking to you, I'm not going to lie, after last Saturday, even though I'm a dub, uh, I was a little bit kind of flattened because of the nature of it, but you've given me a, a new boost to life, very re-energised after speaking to you, Stevie. So thanks very much for uh, for chatting to us. That's us now for for the year, for 2020. If you want to give us a shout, uh, you can get us on social media, on the GA show. You can get us on Facebook, Instagram, wherever else you get your podcasts. Um, until we're probably back the sec- first or second week in January. But until then... Thanks very much for joining us, Stevie. Thank you. Thanks very much, Pierce.